Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Hey, welcome back to Caustic Content, the podcast where two dear friends torture each other by trying to find the absolute worst thing streaming on the internet. Uh, with me as always, I've got Adam Myros here. Oh, hey, Steve. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I've been worse, you know. I, I think we're starting this new season pretty mildly this far. Yeah, it, it has been. And part of that is, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos. Uh, obviously, he's made billions during the pandemic. Um, hundreds of billions, maybe even. So he's he's put a lot of that money towards fucking up our podcast because uh, a lot, lot of trash has been stripped from Amazon Prime. And I'm not happy this about it. So. But, you know. You, you, you play the, the hand that you're dealt, I suppose. And uh, also joining us, he's back. He's Stephen Coleman. Coleman, how you doing, pal? It's great to be back. Oh, I'm sure it is. Is it ever great to be back on this show? It's, it's, it's always a pleasure. This <laughs> <laughs> is like Rasheed Wallace of the Detroit Pistons circa 2006 uh, <laughs> telling the press that both teams played hard and refusing to say anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a pleasure. Obviously, we're great people to be around, but uh, movies, mm, maybe not so great. Well, uh, you know, this week, we, we try to have a theme on occasion, and sometimes we just pick stuff out of our asses, more or less. Uh, and this is one where I think Myros and I both made impulsive decisions about what we would be watching for the episode, and somehow a theme kind of bubbled out of it. So... Welcome to Caustic Content Season 2, Episode 2, colon, are these Jesus movies? Because <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Vaguely. Um, vaguely, maybe? I've never been more conflicted. Usually, because, you know, usually if it's a Jesus movie, it's very, very clear. Uh, Christian movies, they have, a, they have a real stink to them, a unique stink. And these, I, I just don't know. I feel like Both these are... Very confusing strictly catholic movies that could be it <laughs> but not like trad cath this is like this is like catholic but with that you know that contemporary christian pleated khaki acoustic guitar sensibility um but yeah there's there's some catholic vibes going through here for sure i don't know uh, in despiser it almost throws shade at catholicism even though it's it's based on a very traditionally catholic uh, conceit of purgatory but Mm-hmm. I, I don't know when the main character is like oh, i was raised catholic then the uh knowledgeable uh wise leader is kind of like well i guess that's fucking all right you okay. piece of shit catholic <laughs> diet christian twice a year motherfuckers <laughs> uh yeah well there's that and but and then the other thing is of course in despiser the, the other movie we're going to talk about um, they, they do quote some, some scripture and, uh, you know, the Catholics, they're not too fond of the Bible. Not really their thing. I mean, they're cool with it, like existing and being there, but they're not really into like reading and quoting it so much. So it yeah, is notably I, I all know. old Testament too. So uh, mm. it kind of broadens the spectrum. It does. It uh, very, very conflicted on these. Well, before we talk about Despiser, I think it, I think it would be important to talk about uh, a movie with a little less action. Oh, I thought you were going to say the rules. We got to talk about the rules. Oh, we do have to talk about the rules. I keep forgetting that we have rules for this show. All right, Miles, what are the rules? 
the rules very quickly. We're only allowed to use what the streaming service provides us. Uh, generally, a trailer is there. If not, uh, well, you're really gambling with your life. Uh, we also try and limit uh, found footage. We don't want that. It's uh, too boring, too samey. We skip it. Uh, we have what we call the Godfrey Ho Clause, which is to say only one film per director. Uh, exceptions will be made on occasion, uh, as we mm -hmm. talked about last week. But, uh, yeah, we try and keep that uh, a little variety going. And no. these can't be anything either of us have previously seen, which uh, I was a little worried about this one. Something about Despiser struck a chord to me. Like, I feel like I might have seen a trailer for it at some point. I was like, seems oddly familiar. But uh, it turned out there's no fucking way I would have sat through this twice. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there's something about this that really does despise it that really does kind of feel familiar to me as well. I thought we I thought we were breaking that rule at first. It's like how how have I I don't know. We'll, we'll get into it later. Anyways, uh, potentially a less interesting movie to discuss. Let's talk about uh, my choice for this week: Blood Type Unknown, um, also known as Tradcath Twilight. Uh, <laughs> maybe you know, i don't know maybe? what is this movie really i mean i guess there's it's got that that vague stink of christian film about it but is there anything christian about this even? <laughs> really? is there anything at all going on this is like uh, the entire film and, and this isn't a short one either i mean it's not long but it's a firm like 90 minutes but the entire thing is just there's a guy who is maybe not a vampire, but kind of a vampire. He just he just lives forever, more or less. Yeah, and, he doesn't have to, like, consume human blood or anything. He's just, yeah. uh, like, semi-immortal. Semi-immortal. So we have semi-immortal, handsome boy. Uh, when I say handsome, I mean, like, he looks like Stephen Dorff, like, just like genetically fused with Keith or Sutherland from the Lost Boys era. It's and basically got a, a different man. Just a head of hair and cheekbones. Yeah. Great cheekbones. You could you could great cheese off that fucking face. Uh, yeah, he's yes. no he's no Robert Pattinson, we'll say that, but No, no. Not not by any stretch. So we got him. He's semi immortal. Uh he has also got like Wolverine powers, so if you cut him, he heals up. Uh, he can drink a lot. Very cool. You got him. <laughs> he lives in a college town. And then you've got the uh, the college freshman girl who uh, meets him, in a, I guess, at a party. And then they, they run into each other in a class. And they fall in love. And she has to wrestle with the fact that she's fallen in love with the immortal boy. And then he dies. Um, that's it. It's it's really there's not a lot that goes on. It is very simple, very straightforward, which in a sense was slightly refreshing only because I feel like so many films that we watch for this podcast, I am constantly confused at the barrage of plot points that are just overwhelming me. And this was just kind of a normal plate of big ass sucking, just totally easy to follow, but maybe the least interesting thing I've watched in months. So there it is your bowl of cold oatmeal, uh, blood type unknown. <laughs> I just feel like this this isn't that bad. Like, it exists. It's not like, I don't know. It's not for me. It's not for any of us. We're not the target demographic of this 
fucking Twilight knockoff. But who is the target? I don't know who is. I don't think. I don't think this is written particularly well. So this this is a uh, a a written, produced, directed, everything by this guy, uh, Doug Doug Penicast and Penicus. How do I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. I've never heard the name. Yeah. Penis Koss. He's <laughs> best known as like a background dancer or something from a high school musical. Uh, he he's I think he's a, a dancer actor by, you know, the, he's just done mostly background stuff. Uh, but he's he's in Hollywood like he's done real things. And, and this is his passion project, I guess, which is kind of weird. Uh, but he's both the characters in this because really it's, it's just a, it's a two character thing. You've got Mr. Semi-Immortal, who is a colossal dickhead. Colossal. Huge. Unlikable. And the girl who falls in love with him, who is just kind of like Gilmore Girls talky, like she just she just doesn't shut the fuck up so much so that even in the movie when she shuts the fuck up, uh, there's like an internal monologue that we have to listen to. So yeah, yeah. It just, it's, it's a barrage. It's never ending of her inane rambling. Which her arc in this film is so troubling. I mean, clearly this was what is written <laughs> by Doug Panikask. She starts out as this like very independent, free thinking young woman going off to school, just wants to be a writer, defy her father's expectations to be an accountant and a very strong character and immediately just melts into a pile of mush, like literally loses her glasses and her hair comes down as soon as she meets a uh, uh, penis casts a uh, character. And he like forcibly kisses her Adam and it's like this spell. Yes. So she just becomes this trope. I mean, both sides of her character are tropes, but it's a very uh, sort of a slightly, miso- not slightly, it's a misogynistic film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's he's, it's got that big dick swing energy that, uh, you know, I know all of us strive to obtain, which is uh, you get into an argument with a girl in class and then she kind of stops you outside of class and says, hey, dickhead, you were a dickhead. And then you make out with her and she's like, yeah, that's what I want. Girls love when you do that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's how it works in the real world. Yep. See, for me, I, I don't know when you ask who this is for. It seems very clearly that I, I could see this working fine for like this weird teen demographic that's for some reason like conditioned like this sort of princess story nonsense. It's it's very, very traditional archetype of. Yeah, it's just this love story where it's it's a beauty and the beast. It is very much Twilight, but uh I don't know. These are all problematic stories at their core, but uh, this is very, very simply and not uniquely in any way a spin on that sort of uh, archetype. I don't know. It's yeah. It's just I. Well, I don't care. I'm a I'm a fucking thirty five year old man. This is not a movie <laughs> at all for me. This is, but the thing is though with with Blood Type Unknown is. At least there's shit going on in Twilight and Beauty and the Beast, and there's there's like conflict and rising action. There's like things that we can kind of grasp onto, even if it's not for you, even if it's poorly done to a degree. Uh, you know, it's not like I'm going to go to bat for the Twilight movies right now, but I, I mean, I, I would take them over this. But with Blood Type Unknown, you, you got to realize we we basically wrap up the central conflict of the movie which is because you would think that it would be these two people who have this friction and then it builds into a love story, but it doesn't. It's literally like they meet 
they have an argument in class and then instantly they're together. Like we go from, you know, oh, love isn't real. Love's dumb. Soulmates are for idiots to making out montage dating, whatever. We, we go through that just boom, instantly. And then there's this minor hump towards the end where she finds out that he's immortal and it's just like, oh shit. But then even that is, it's wrapped up, it feels like, in an instant because she just, she's mad for two seconds, accepts it, and then he just eats shit and dies. So, yeah, what, yeah. Are, we, what are we working towards here? The pacing is an issue. Like, I, I don't really understand. <laughs> the issue there's might this whole, be an understatement. There's this whole plot point that is introduced in like the last fucking 10 minutes of the movie where she is a reincarnation of his previous wife or just looks identical to her. And you'd think that would be like a source of conflict. That's what I <laughs> but thought. But instead, it's just, it's nothing. <laughs> no, it's, it's absolutely it's like... She's like, oh, have you ever been in love before? I know you're 90,000 years old. It's okay. You could tell me. He's just like, yeah, I was married to a queen and she looked exactly like you. Exactly the same. Same person. Like, and then she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it doesn't even bother her. Like, she, it's very overwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it wastes too much time doing this, like this whole fucking cool guy getting drunk at a party shtick it's like why is any of this in this movie i mean if we, if you want to explore this relationship then you can't waste part of your 90 minutes like fucking a degrading promiscuous college girls and fucking i don't know it, it's just a very strange insular uh way to write a script it, it's obviously uh, pentecost is pulling from personal experience and in a way that that's destructive to the narrative because it's I don't know it's just insane to me to consider like this 400 year old immortal and he's just decided that the way he's going to live his life is uh, by being a frat guy like what the fuck are we talking about he's also about? mysteriously independently wealthy mhm maybe he got into <sighs> crypto early like he just thought it was a good idea, kind of hitched his wagon to it, you know. That's uh, that's a tr that's an immortal trope, I suppose, right? They all find a way to make money. Whereas to, to me, that seems like the biggest drawback of being an immortal. It's like, uh, how the fuck do you, do you save up hundreds of years? You just of, hold uh, on to old stuff money. that you've got, and then you sell it <laughs> two hundred years later. <laughs> <laughs> or a lot of compound interest, I suppose, over time. Um, yeah, I. I don't know. I have no clue. Can we briefly and, address the title of the film? Yeah, because, absolutely. I mean, it it's actually an appropriate title based on what the story is. But when you first sent me the titles of the movies we're supposed to watch for this episode, this sounds like a Seinfeld, like a fake Seinfeld movie for like, an, for like a horror <laughs> film. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was kind of hoping for with this. Like, I, I, I figured based on the trailer, it would have some Twilighty stuff to it. But I was, I was hoping for a little more action. Like, where's the, uh, the, the Wolf Man and the, the vampire fights? We don't, we don't get any of that. There's no, there's no action you get here. Get one slit wrist. Um, yeah, which heals immediately. Self-inflicted. Come on, that's. That, well, I need a little action. The, does that scene make any sense either? Because he's like. <laughs> They try and make it seem like he's a junkie or something, and uh, 
He's hollering at this doctor, like, just give me what I paid you for. Come on, God damn it. So he gives him this case of stuff, uh, which he hooks into his arm. And then the reveal is that the doctor is studying his blood. So what is this? Uh, what is what is the stuff he paid him for, man? I, I, I was don't very confused. understand. <laughs> he was paying him to draw his own blood. <laughs> As one does. I was really confused about that, and, and I thought that I, I may have missed something. I actually had that in my notes. I was going to ask you guys about it because it, it seemed like it was going to lead up to, oh, he was hiding something else from her later, or, you know, he has to inject blood because vampire or something. Yeah, that's what I anything. thought it was, vampire shit, right? He's paying him yeah. for access to the blood bank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, it's it's just kind of glossed over, and then he doesn't lie to the girl even though it seems like he's lying to her i don't know i i don't i have no idea um but yeah it's the whole thing it's it's really an, a great exercise in treading water i i don't think you could you could do less with more i <laughs> there's, there's a million different directions this can go into but god like even just establishing who these characters are how much time is is dedicated to the roommate who just seems like a pretty normal college girl but they're like oh you big hoey mchoerson hoeing about <laughs> who he sleeps with within the first five minutes of this movie exactly right. he bangs her and then proceeds to like turn to her and slut shame her about it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that whole heroic scene that that was the most troubling thing of the movie for me probably where yeah. Yeah. the roommate just like a talk about things that again are not fucking explored what the fuck is the roommate even talking about when she's like oh you've cured me i'm not sick anymore it's like what you were fucking sick uh so i don't i don't know what what that was referencing again maybe i maybe i missed something i don't think so though well, she also <laughs> gets to have um, confession in the middle of a public cafe with the priest. Oh, yeah. That's what uh, it does. Very true. Very true. So, yeah, she she claims that Mr. Blood Type Unknown has, has cured her illness by fucking her, which, again, yeah. no illness mentioned in the film. I don't know what the fuck that's about. But during the course of this, uh, he freaks out and is like, you're a piece of shit, an empty, soulless whore. And uh, our, our protagonist, uh, Caitlin, is like, Oh, thank you so much. What a what a nice thing you've just done. You're the greatest really man great. alive. I'm like, what? Thanks for <laughs> what fucking fuck? my friend to prove that she's a whore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's how you do it. That's that's it. Oh, boy. And the yeah. big problem is this Caitlin, like not not. I mean, Pentecost is fine. Like he does what he needs to do. I mean, yeah, he, he just has some food. That's it. Yeah, he has failings in the writing department, but his acting is fine. His direction is honestly fine. The the Caitlin lead is not very good, not compelling, not no. uh, well. You want to not, talk about a successful uh, protagonist? People that I recognize. Where do I recognize her from? She looked familiar to me. Uh, look her up on the old IMDb, and uh, goddamn man, she's a working actress, and she's been in a lot of stuff. But uh, a little movie called Bye Bye Man really sticks out on the old resume. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh so that, I mean, that's probably her biggest movie that she's been in. I'd say. So yeah, Bye Bye Man, classic. She also looks suspiciously uh, a lot like my brother's ex-wife. Oh, so <laughs> well, you know, 
That had to make this one uncomfortable for you. That's why I chose <laughs> it specifically bit. to get under your skin. <laughs> uh, and according to IMDb, she's also done a TED talk before. So, Ooh. you know, uh, it called, her TED talk was called A Bee Showed Me That Limits Are Lies. It's great. We're God. all limitless, man. You just you take that fucking pill. Oh, <laughs> this is surprising to me that she's she, yeah, she's working for sure. Like, I thought she was quite bad and, and must not have been a professional actress. But uh, no, shows what I know, I, I think she had to carry a lot of weight in blood type unknown. And I, I don't know if she had uh, there was zero chemistry. So that hurts. Uh, obviously, yes. it's it's hard when when you're the the main protagonist and your romantic partner in the film is kind of a, a leaden weight. Uh, so that's tough. And I I'm guessing that while the movie is I wouldn't call it technically proficient, it's it's far more functional than we're used to. Although it's mostly lit like shit. Um, I'm guessing that. Uh, Douglas Pentecost was probably not a great like actor's director, I suppose, if that makes any sense. She just seems like she's floundering a bit here, and she just just kind of like quick reads through her lines, and it, it really does. It has this wooden Gilmore Girls affectation to it that does not jive with me at all. Uh, but you know, at least she's not a dick. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is the answer to who this is for, though, to me, like the it, the way this looks, which is completely adequate. Like if this were actually a TV movie, I would not be at all surprised. It just seems like something you call it perhaps a passion project. I would say exactly the opposite. It feels very much like a oh, yeah, people like Twilight, you know, Fifty Shades is a hit. Let's throw something out there and see. If Without it any sex and or vampires. <laughs> the completely got a version. vaguely vamp uh, vampire sort of thing, I guess. I don't know. And yeah, and the most baffling thing about it to me is that we just like decided to make it like a fucking AIDS drama or something in the last uh, 15 <laughs> minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. it's like, what? <laughs> okay. That was fun. I mean, there's there's a lot of head scratching choices too. Uh, you know, my favorite is another another classic way we talked about how after a woman yells at you, you just make out with her and then she falls in love with you. If you want to keep that love train rolling, a good thing to do is to pretend to jump off a cliff, specifically when the the girl that you're trying to impress is deathly afraid of heights, and then she runs over and you go, "Ha ha, just kidding! I didn't jump off the cliff." Chicks love it. They're just so into it, man. You want to make the panties drop? Jump off a cliff. Um, I don't... Yeah. And then, Myros, to your point, too, as far as, like, how it looks, it's like... I don't I don't want to oversell this to anyone in the least because this is, this is still, like, two or three steps below your standard Hallmark or Lifetime TV movie fare. This is, this is not a super professional production. By caustic content standards... This is oh, it's like Orson an Oscar winner. <laughs> yeah, this is this is it. This wins the cinematography Oscar. If you want to um, see all that caked on makeup, mm. <laughs> where it's at, baby. Uh, but it's the, the real places where this movie suffers, and and where I'm going to go to bat for it as the bigger pile of shit is, you know, is it a passion project? I don't know. It's like a passionless vanity project. Um, it's. Also, just so wrong-headed and 
stupid in the way it approaches its fucking script, and it's boring. And and that's that's the biggest sin you can have on this show is you give me glacial pacing and literally nothing going on and a love story that can wrap up in about two and a half minutes. This is a a, a bad short film stretched into a feature length. It's it's an idea that wasn't fleshed out properly. It was a guy who didn't have anyone else standing next to him going like, mm, maybe you shouldn't do that. So, yeah, it's just it's a slog. I hate this. I mean, at least with some of the other shit that we watch, it's like, man, that was profoundly horrible, but th- there sure is something going on here. There's nothing going on here. This is a this is a husk. It's a husk. It is a husk, but as we'll get into the next film, I I don't I, I it's it's hard to describe the way these movies work sometimes because sure this is a movie with fundamentally nothing happening and it is somewhat boring, but it Kind of washes over you. Uh, and a movie like our, our next film, it somehow manages to strike me as more boring. Like, almost <laughs> impossible to pay attention to, even though there are one million fucking things happening. <laughs> All right. Well, before we jump to Despiser, Coleman, is there anything else you want to say about Blood Type Unknown? We hit on all the main points? I think so. We didn't talk that much about the uh, priest, but... Oh, <laughs> He's <Jesus> great, Christ! <laughs> Literally, it's a, it's a. Yeah. I completely useless side character. I I don't even know what he is. He's like a a plot rug that they just step on to get from one thing to another. Yeah, that was like the only like thing that made it sort of like it's not like a Jesus Christian movie, but like where it's like a slightly Catholic movie. Like there's still kind of having sex they're still saying shit and but they still go and like there's literally a confession in the film mm-hmm. um so culturally it has that catholicism bent to it and also the priest is the only actor that i recognized in this film <laughs> where did you recognize it from i don't know exactly i think he's just shown up as like a character actor in a lot of random movies that i've seen um okay what was his name? Sean Spence. Yeah, Sean Spence. Just kind of like a, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, just kind of like he's usually plays like a geeky kind of character, or just like a sidekick of a sidekick. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe you remember him as reporter number one, uncredited from Jay Edgar. That's it. <laughs> that's the one. Classic he's in Beverly Hills Cop Three. <laughs> Ooh, as Rufus Rabbit. Great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess we should maybe touch on the ending before we abandon it completely, because it does have, uh, yeah, that whole princess nonsense thing again, which I I don't understand how much time is meant to have passed in this film. It it certainly does not seem like more than a semester of college. Uh, but yeah, we, we are meant to believe that this person is just completely devastated that this weird guy is is dead and it it is in fact a soulmate situation even though uh again relationship not not really developed uh thoroughly but um he does he does then will his uh centuries of possessions to this uh 18 year old special girl which is not an impressive collection no i thought he would have more yeah there's this whole thing a, a running uh 
element of this locked room and you're like oh what's gonna be in that room fucking nothing it's like a painting of this girl uh of his previous wife who looks exactly like this girl so uh that's what every woman wants when their when their significant other dies (laughs) and that reveal is painfully slow like you know what's about to happen and that camera just takes an entire two minutes to swing around and reveal the painting oh it also reveals him uh with a a photo of him in World War Two, uh, oh, because yeah. there's like uh, a guy with Alzheimer's who recognizes him, and it's like it's got to oh, do yeah. that classic oh, fucking. Oh yeah, we fall bath after tools out there in World War Two, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, my grandpa has dementia." He's like, yeah, "My grandpa no, doesn't remember okay. my name, but he remembers this asshole's name." <laughs> yep, real dick move. And of course, yeah, we have to flash back to that because, you know, the, the, the painfully slow reveal that is incredibly obvious. We need to stretch it out for as long as humanly possible. It's not even a reveal. It's already fucking been revealed. I don't <laughs> understand why movies are. And that that's a thing that stretches into big budget Hollywood movies where they're, they're compelled to like flash back to prior in the movie and, and like yeah. hold your hand and be like, hey, remember that? It's like, yes, I fucking remember that. It was fucking 20 minutes, <laughs> minutes ago. ago. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Love when that happens. Oh. So, yeah, it, it does have the, the princess narrative. She uh, is willed uh, presumably a fortune and a mansion uh, because she dated a guy for three months and looks like his ex-wife. And then she becomes a rich and famous author, too. So uh, everything's good. Take that, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you told me creative writing and a liberal arts degree was a waste of time. Showed you. Uh, it's not a waste of time if you happen to inherit uh, a vast fortune. <laughs> yeah, and you can turn your your teeny soap opera drama life into a, a book adaptation too. It seems like you know, it just kind of writes itself. So, oh well, you know that didn't happen to me unfortunately when I got my English degree. But you know, uh, maybe I could pursue a PhD and that'll that'll go down for me. All right, why don't we move on to our second movie? Uh, a little film from 2003, I guess. Uh, even though I, I, it's there's a lot to unpack with this one. We're, we're talking <laughs> Despiser, Despiser. Which, hey, why don't you change your name to uh, Lover? Because that's what I think of this movie. It's pretty great. <laughs> I mean, it's not great, but uh, <laughs> Jesus, this was this was a shock for me. <clears throat> I I did not expect what what this turned into so despiser is unique because it's from a director where i i wouldn't call this guy like a real director uh philip j cook he hasn't done anything that you've heard of but he's done like some real ass movies right like these are these are things that were released maybe direct to video but um if you go back to like the late 80s early 90s he did some some sci-fi stuff that seems semi-legit, like he was he was trying to work his way up, and uh, then it seems like he was kind of derailed for a decade or so uh, after his 1992 film Invader. So Philip Cook, he waffled around a bit, and then <clears throat> it seems like in the late 90s, he started making a little something for us called <laughs> Despiser. And we, we could talking about the finer points of this but i just want to say like flat out this is amazing because clearly 
Philip Cook thought his career was on the up and up. He wrote this crazy, like, sci-fi epic that's just like, I don't know, what if Constantine loved Jesus and also was a mid-90s television show? But it's this huge, ambitious, sprawling, uh, like, action-y, sci-fi, pseudo-religious action epic whatever and he makes zero compromises, despite the fact that this was a movie made for like $13 and a, a empty uh, like stick of gum or something. I, this is There's like no money here at all. And yet, I don't think he cut a single page from the script. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> it's something. It's something. Uh, incredible in a way, I suppose. But man, it's it, it may be... The worst looking movie. <laughs> it's up there. This, this thing looks fucking ridiculous. It do, it looks it looks totally weird, and it's unique too because I mean when you talk about like the live action stuff, it legitimately looks like uh, like a, a direct uh, syndication kind of shitty '90s show. Like if you're watching like Hercules: The Legendary Journey, the way the lead looks, I was like, oh, it's like a fucking MacGyver episode. <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah. Like all of my like high school math teachers. Yeah, that's that's a good way to describe him. I think he kind of looks like like a slightly more suave Pat Sajak, which is funny yeah. to me too. Because imagine Pat Sajak, and then he's supposed to be playing this guy who is an action hero, but also like a misunderstood artist slash I don't even know what else. So it's like no. What the is... fuck's the deal with this guy's art too? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> His graphic art that he's doing, I'm like, what the fuck? Why are we selling this guy as this profession when it's just like the world's worst MS Paint trash? <laughs> this whole movie is MS Paint trash. It's like it's like Vaporwave before Vaporwave existed. <laughs> if I would have been thinking that as I watched it, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. <laughs> like that that's all I could think. Just the soundtrack and the, the weird CGI, which when I'm talking about weird CGI, like, you know how, like, you when you watch, you know, a Marvel movie, an Avengers movie, and you realize that, oh, this kind of looks a little bit flat and lifeless because literally everything is shot on a green screen, and they just have a gazillion dollars to throw at it so it looks semi-realistic, but it still feels a little kind of, like, eh, flat, you know? This is, like, no, fuck it. It's just guys, <laughs> like, straight up... I, you know, we're, we're mixing we're mixing the 90s TV and, and then here we're driving our PS2 car. It's made out of four polygons. We don't care. We've done the PS2 movies before. But this one, it feels very era appropriate. Like normally we've done these and there's almost a disconnect because they're shot in in like high def digital in 2018 and then they layer these these cheap ps2 looking dreamcast cgis over everything but here like everything kind of looks like shit so it all there's a there's a cohesiveness to the madness and it really does like everything that's like aesthetically cool and artistically cool now this this is vaporwave come to life it's here it is despiser <laughs> Uh, and yet, I despise it. What is it about? Explain what it's about, because then things get even fucking weirder. I, it It's about purgatory, essentially. It's one of these sure movies where you're like immediately it. like, 
where you're immediately like, fuck this. I, I don't fucking want to watch this because it just like cuts into this uh, weird world. And these people are talking. And it's like, hey, Fumi, head on over here, Nimbus. I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Just give them names. Oh, this, this is quite the uh, motley crew too. the this like these freedom fighters inside of purgatory. Um, it's it's a it's a United Nations. So we've got uh, yeah, Nimbus, the uh, wise African American man, and then we've got <laughs> there's there's a like a Hispanic woman who's kind of spunky, Charlie Road Trap. <laughs> uh huh. And then we have my favorite, uh, a little character named Fumi Tamazawa, <laughs> who <sighs> it looks like a Hispanic guy to me. <laughs> And he's played by an actor named Frank Smith. But also, <laughs> every time he talks, he's like, oh, yes, son. Oh, wow. Like, it's, it's, it's fucking, it's Whoopi Goldberg in, in telephone. <laughs> like, <laughs> just doing the, the Asian impersonation. It's, it's like, it's real bad. It's Apparently really, really bad. Apparently, he does have some uh, Japanese ancestry. We'll, okay. we'll grant that. Uh, I did, there is a uh, featurette on the making of this film on YouTube, readily available if anyone is interested. Well, because his uh, affectation, like the way he plays it up, even if he's partially Asian, he sounds like... I don't know, like, you know, when, when I was a kid and, like, Grandpa was telling me about the people he killed in the war. Like, that's his whole, like, accent that he's going with. Right. Which is what he's supposed to be, right? He's a kamikaze pilot. But he's yeah. uh, <laughs> also, yeah, his name is fucking Frank Smith. So it, it's a little problematic <laughs> either way. We'll, we'll <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just, I mean, yeah, it's problematic, but it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I... I if only this movie were it's just again it's like D D nerd shit where they're just throwing all this fucking no one can have a regular name we just got to keep fucking citing all these stupid fucking terms so what back back to the plot here it is about purgatory and it is about uh purgatory has been taken over by aliens because uh, they were sent there after dying in uh, the fucking uh tunguska event which is oh, a real yeah. historical thing that everyone who's remotely interested in the paranormal is aware of where there's a big crater in siberia i got blah, real blah, hype blah. when they started talking tunguska man <laughs> yeah yeah so tunguska caused these aliens to be sent to uh a human purgatory where they have enslaved everyone and uh, turned it into some sort of hellscape. But I, I don't, that's what this is about. This, these people are trying to free the souls in purgatory by killing the despiser who is one of the Tunguska aliens. Um, oh, jeez, I, the logistics of all of this are, very, very confusing, though. Uh, our main character, Gordon Haig, is an artist who is uh, down on his luck. He's just uh, quit his job or been fired. Um, he's, his wife has left him, and he smashes into a bridge abutment or something and, and dies and goes to purgatory. But he keeps getting brought back to life over and over again. Uh, so he's jumping between reality and purgatory. And he's banding with these uh, freedom fighters when he's dead, uh, which is several times during the course of the movie. Um, and yeah, that that's pretty much the plot. It's just 
man, the way this purgatory, the purgatory is, uh, again, like a Windows 95 video game. Uh, it's a real missed scenario. But it also, I don't know. They have to, what are the, like, fucking 7-Elevens in purgatory? What is all of this? They're eating, like, canned beans. They have to go buy ammunition and shit. It's like, <laughs> there's fucking nukes all over the place. I'm like, what is yeah. purgatory? It's a, purg it's a purgatory capitalist economy. This is how it works. What do you think? It's just a waiting room? You had Beetlejuice on the brain? Why do, you totally have to fucking, why do you have to fucking eat in purgatory? Like, come on now. I'm fucking dead already. Jesus Christ. <laughs> do, you have to, do you have to shit in purgatory? At the I toilets? would think so. I, you're eating, I, you're shitting, right? I guess, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If you're eating, That's you're something. shitting. Remind me to ask a priest about that. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> It's funny because it is it is kind of messy and sprawling, obviously. Like, the plot makes zero sense. But there's all these, like, little touches and asides where you could tell that he genuinely cared about this shit, on a, maybe a little too much. Um, even even little things, like, there's this one part where, I don't know, they have some shootout with the, the fucking Jawa-looking bad guys, and then they're inside the an abandoned building. Yeah, the ragmen, yeah. <laughs> They're inside of an abandoned building, and there's this little like like CGI lizard monster running around. <laughs> and then there's other things where you're like, man, this is what you this is what you poured your fucking money into your your 2002 CGI money into. You know, he's just like, I'm gonna animate a troll doll. I'm gonna have an entire like aha moment where his wife like reaches out to talk to him through a, a drawing and all this other <laughs> shit. You're like, oh my god, this is just amazing because it, it looks like ass but also because you refuse to compromise with any of this and you had to get in all these little little tiny touches that were so important to you um it's it's pretty off the wall <laughs> to say the least and it is pretty boring i'm not it's, gonna lie it's incredibly like it, boring it's it, for a movie where shit is like happening and people are shooting each other constantly uh, twists and turns and it's somehow just kind of bottoms out almost immediately which is impressive but also at the same time i felt like when i was watching it you can kind of see the alternate film here like the movie where he gets the millions of dollars that he actually wanted instead of the you know the the 30 dollars that he probably got and there's all this stuff where he's just like yeah it's it's constantine and it's mad max and it's all these things and blah blah, blah. like you could it's all there it's all there but it just, he doesn't have the money for it. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it was almost yeah, like. it's all oh, there. It, it could have, it could have been a fucking 1992, like horrible fucking uh, sci-fi film that looked like one of those uh, thousands of movies that looks like the Super Mario Brothers movie. That mm -hmm. That's what the ambition of this film was. If yeah, only we could have made this look like Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it's it honestly it reminds me of those guys that they decided to remake all of uh, Indiana Jones just by themselves, like in their backyard like that. Th this has that energy to it where they're like, we cannot make any compromises. We have to figure out a way to do absolutely everything. Um, and obviously it, it crashes and it burns. But goddamn, man, like at least he goes for it. And I got to say, I... blood type unknown. Nobody's going for anything. <laughs> Nothing you know, is gone for. 
This is another movie uh, that uh, this reminds me of where a guy was going for it and he had some big sci-fi ideas and he he really uh, wanted to include some cutting edge CGI. It's a little movie called Zone X. (laughs) And uh, Stephen Coleman favorite. This is more exciting than Zone X. Coleman, at least back I, I me disagree. up on that. I got, I got more uh, entertainment out of Zone X. At least I was laughing at that thing. This thing is shockingly light on the hilarity with the, the shit effects. There are a few no. moments. Like, there's this whole sequence where uh, Gordon is uh, trying to rescue them off a rooftop and, like, blows a radio tower over. Again, why are there such things in purgatory? Lord fucking knows. But uh, <laughs> It looks great. <laughs> but, yeah, they're, like, one by one going across this fucking fallen tower. And I tell you, when this movie tries to do heights, that's when the, the effects really, really crumble to dust. And it looks incredible. Like, it's just no. people, like, walking on a board, and then it's <laughs> digitally painted as if they're uh, trying to get across these rooftops, and it just, nobody's, like, clinging to this thing or anything. They're just kind of casually kinda, yeah. walking <laughs> over it, and it looks so no. goddamn ridiculous. And that, It looks like it looks like Nick Arcade, you know, the, the Nickelodeon oh, show where they, like, screen them against the video game. One hundred percent, and that Nick is arcade uh, technology. That's where I wish this movie lived, but it only achieves that about uh, for maybe five total minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the best use of the CGI is definitely in the car chases. Uh, that's where, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, like, it's the perfect mix of absolute diarrhea and uh, just fun. But yeah, it's it 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 suffers, like you said, it suffers. Uh, Coleman, I, I mean, how how like how much has your life changed since watching this? Do you feel like a better person now? Well, I suffered. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I gotta tell you, I was bored to tears. I can't believe we're uh, getting so much mileage out of this. I just I could not <laughs> get into this at all. And when you mentioned vaporwave, like I wish I would have just turned the volume down on this thing and just like put on like washed out radio or whatever and just let it happen over that way um that's what you gotta do man just blast that com trues record and just fucking watch this on mute <laughs> that's <laughs> that's 100 percent true is that's the problem for me like i could sit back and enjoy the way this looks because it looks like complete shit but it's like almost fascinating in a way Mm-hmm. And I want to be laughing at this movie. I, I'll never be laughing with it, but I might be laughing at it. But the plot is this fucking D&D horse shit. It's just so much dense, hard sci-fi bullshit that is just impenetrable and boring as fucking sin. So it mm-hmm. it, it wrecks what it, what it could have possibly been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I don't know. I, I guess for me, I just I hated the the non vampire vampire movie so much that this one just maybe resonated a little bit more with me. Resonated is the wrong word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in in this stage of of uh, film torture, this this didn't suck as much. I guess you know after you've been drawn and quartered, maybe uh, getting thrown in the old Iron Maiden's not so bad. I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, but yeah i call me the titular despiser because man i fucking hated this movie 
Uh, my cat is like screaming at me right now. He's really upset that we're talking about Despiser, so <laughs> I had to let him in. We're done. We're not going to talk about Despiser anymore. Fucking relax, bananas. Okay. <laughs> well, believe it or not, there are some people out there who uh, don't hate these movies. In fact, they they think that uh, they're they're quite great. So we always like to take a look at what other people thought of the films <laughs> that we have determined to be caustic content. And wouldn't you know, Despiser has quite a few five-star reviews, okay? So... <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. These are the people who fucking play Warhammer all day or something. <laughs> uh, so I was, I was painting my miniatures, and I had this out of the background, and I thought to myself, well, you know, Nimbus reminds me of uh, myself as a young man, and uh, <laughs> I, too, would uh, follow his lead in Purgatory and quote uh, the Book of Joshua as I uh, killed the demons. Okay. So, Zachary S. says, you wouldn't be reading this if you weren't thinking about watching it. You should watch it. It's like a drug pusher. Despiser is a niche film, to be sure, but deserves a spot of honor in the micro-budgeted sci-fi fantasy horror milieu. It's very weird, and that is exactly what you want from a film of this nature. I wrote one review that was essentially sarcastic, if positive, after my first viewing, but I've watched it several times since then, oh my God. and it's in my brain. Ironic B-movie watching turned into genuine fascination with this film, and it keeps me coming back to satisfy that fascination again, because there just isn't anything else out there quite like it. The internal cosmology and the twisting of fictional tropes for new purposes is frankly pretty amazing. The people who made this film did a hell of a lot with very little. Bravo. <laughs> you know, I, I gotta get in touch with Zachary and recommend him a little movie called Zone X. <laughs> you really on the Zone X? <laughs> All right. Well, we got a few more here. I'm gonna I'm gonna read one more. I accidentally xed out of my my tab for Blood Type Unknown, so I'm gonna bring that back up real quick. Um, another another good positive one here for for the old Despiser. Another lover of Despiser. Five stars. Thoroughly enjoyable. Unique and ambitious. Local slash no name actors and CGI done at home. This is generally a recipe for disaster, but in this case, the ambition, writing, and care with which the film was made results in a film that absolutely surpasses most blockbuster pictures. Oh. Despiser is a gem, a low-budget independent picture made by passionate, imaginative, and dedicated filmmakers. It's fun, credible, <laughs> expansive, and thoroughly ambitious. A wonderful antidote to the flashy roller coaster rides of modern CGI-laden pieces of trash. This is a memorable labor of love that bears re-watching. This is the problem, okay? You guys, you, you only watched it once. Three cheers for Philip Cook and the unknowns like him who are creating outside of Hollywood. You know, it's weird because, like, I agree with a lot of the things that they're saying in these five-star things. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, like, you could tell that he really cared about what he was doing, and it was it, he probably had a lot of fun doing it. It's super ambitious, but also I think it's shit. So I guess I just didn't land on the same conclusion. Oh, yeah. How many movies do we watch for this podcast uh, is where it's clear that the director fucking cared about what they're doing and were ambitious. That's not a unique fucking thing to this movie. It happens all the time and it makes for some of the very worst movies you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> good point. It's a good point. Well, how about we move over to Blood Type Unknown? 
Uh, S.M. Greer calls this a beautiful love story worth the watch. She writes, I knew something was up with him in one of the early scenes at the party, although I didn't get what it was until the scene in the coffee shop. Great way to start a review, by the way. Uh, we should pay her to write for Optimism Vaccine. I thought the acting was great from all. Parentheses. Mom was a little over dramatic, but she made it comical. <laughs> yeah, that was the only problem. The mom that's in the movie for five fucking minutes. I didn't know any of the actors. I had no grand expectations, yet they impressed. The roomie was a bit typical and annoying. Big ho. We get it. Uh, I kind of hoped it would end a little differently, yet wasn't surprised. I would have liked more information on his condition. Medical progress had come pretty far in the time he stated. So stinking thankful it wasn't about a vampire. Well, well yeah, I mean, kind of was. Worth the watch. Made me wanting of just another 10 minutes to flip that ending around. How would it end? What is he? <laughs> like, how, how could you change the ending of the movie where she walks into his his locked room and finds the portrait of his dead ass wife. How do you, does he like bust through the painting and go, ah, like a, like a, like the Looney Tunes thing, like Porky Pig just coming through. How do you change the ending? That would have been fantastic. <laughs> but he, but he, I'm not dead folks. That would be good. Yeah. Well, I, I guess if you were like following these Christian themes, then you I don't know. I kind of, I almost thought they were going to do like a Christ-like figure thing and they kept talking about pray for a miracle and blah, blah, mm. blah. Like roll the stone away. You're just kind of half expecting that he would uh, miraculously recover from his uh, hospital bed there, but no, 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 no. Lazarus eating shit. All right. One more <clears throat> from reviewer catch 22 named after the book or the ska band, Steve Coleman. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with the latter. Mm, good choice. All right, Catch-22 says, quite a nice love story. They write, I'm a sucker for a good love story, and this filled the bill for me. Quite good acting performances and very relatable college experiences. <laughs> yeah, Baros, remember when we played our favorite drinking game, who could drink 24 <laughs> shots and not go to the hospital? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> it's good. We went to the, the college party at the incredibly nice house. Did you guys have a dorm room with a screen door, too? Yeah, dorm room with a screen door. And, and women were always like, I want to sleep with you. And I was like, shut up, slut. And constantly. <laughs> all the time. This is just a normal college experience. Anyways, Catch-22 continues. Overall, great production value. Mm, with excellent sound and color. Oh. As in it was there? What, is it what? 1943? Uh, yeah. We're just like, in stunning Technicolor! Like, <laughs> what else are you watching, Catch-22? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little confused, buddy. Uh, it was a nice watch, and I would highly recommend. Okay. I don't know. I disagree, but... Maybe Catch-22 is, like, following along with caustic content as it goes along, and that that's what they've been watching. So, <laughs> you know, excellent sound and color. We've got yeah. it. <laughs> quite amazing by proxy okay, well, I, you know i feel like i'm a little bit behind here uh but i'm still gonna make one final plea so uh you know at the end of the day blood type unknown is it's it's useless it is a bowl of vanilla oatmeal there's nothing to it there's not a lot of passion it's just this little vanity project that doesn't go anywhere doesn't do anything 
It's absolutely nothing. You are better off just staring at a, a blank piece of paper. That is the experience that you will get from this film. Now, does uh, D Despiser look worse? Absolutely. The acting worse? I don't know. It's, it's probably on par, but maybe. Is, is the pacing worse? Again, I don't know. Is the plot more confusing? Absolutely. Like, does it have a million different problems that Blood Type Unknown does not even have to address because it's a much simpler film? Yeah, it's got tons of problems. You can see all the seams here. It's, it's all seams, actually. There's no actual movie. It's just seams. The point is, this is complete ambition and passion without restriction. He said, I want to make this movie. It's going to cost $50 million. And the studio says, no. And he said, I, I despise you, studio <laughs> system. And I choose to make my movie on my terms with zero compromises. And Philip J. Cook, when the J stands for just the most badass bitch alive because he fucking did it. Okay. He made it. He made Despiser. What the fuck have you done with your life? Because he did it. Okay. <laughs> Myros, go ahead. You know, I could say that about every director we've ever covered in constant <laughs> content. They fucking did it. You know, they had a vision and they executed it. And God bless them that that puts them ahead of me. Uh, but that doesn't make <laughs> the movie fucking tolerable at all. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. These are not even in the same league for me. I blood type unknown is a movie for an audience. Uh, Despiser is a movie for an audience of fucking one. Uh, it's just for fucking Philip J. Cook to sit around jerking off to. I I, <laughs> I have no use for this thing. Um, it's not the most ambitious movie we've covered on Cost of Content, nor is it uh, the greatest failure. But this guy obviously has some chops. He's made real movies. He's uh, also, you know, it's like I'm watching... John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars, except this guy was never fucking John Carpenter. On his best day, he couldn't fucking hold John Carpenter's jock. But this is when directors run out of money and they run out of ideas and they start making this fucking dreck. And this movie's dreck. It's dreck. I wanted to have fun with it. I couldn't even barely get through it. It's, it's just so goddamn up its own ass and dense and boring and uh for me it's not even a competition it, it, mm. it just isn't blood type unknown i'll never watch it again it's as milk toast as they come but it's also a fucking movie that functions as a movie and despiser is jesus christ i don't know maybe it works for your D, &D campaign but it on the screen <laughs> it's just it's impenetrable and it's uh I feel like it took me a week to watch it. Oh, you know what, Myros? Roll for initiative and shut the fuck up. <laughs> Coleman, you're casting the final vote. What's it going to be? Uh, well, you know, blood type unknown is, is not exciting. It's not particularly good, but it's watchable and it's not completely insufferable. Like it was fairly easy for me just to get through it in one pass and I mean Despiser I <laughs> there's no way to get through it I can't even recommend it even if it looks silly there's no redeeming quality to it it 
is just it's pretentious it's i don't know i i'm speechless because i've suffered so much just to get through it um (laughs) if you really need to see it like i said put on a little bit of chill wave and just turn down the volume and just let it play in the background um so yeah i please don't waste your time with either one of these really but at least blood type unknown you can get through fairly painlessly yeah all right well fair enough it's it's okay because i was a little bit worried about just completely sweeping this season of cost of content and just you know 10 episodes 10 straight wins it's good that myros gets a win every once in a while so suppose that's the fine. arrogance of a man who lost season one <laughs> unfairly unfairly i was robbed okay <laughs> If we only counted the legal votes to be a completely different story. And I am asking all of the Caustic Content listeners right now to rise up. I want you to march down to Adam Myros' house and you tell him who really won Caustic Content Season 1. Thank you very much. Uh, also, it's it's fair. We can, we can label both these atrocities, right? We're not going to bat for either one of these films. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, I desperately want to call Despiser a curiosity, but even even as someone who called Zone X a curiosity, Despiser is an atrocity. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, uh, if you're listening to this podcast right now, do us a huge favor. Um, please click the links in the description of the podcast. That first link will take you to our iTunes page. And this is where we need your help, dear listener. Um, basically the only way that people can find our stuff on iTunes is if we have, uh, written five-star reviews because the algorithm bases it off of not just that star rating, but also that people took three seconds to write a review. Um, so this is a very simple process. You could literally write anything and then give us five stars and that will help us immensely. So if you have not done that already, um, unfortunately you, you can't do it every week cause I think you're limited to one per account, but um, if you haven't done it already, just, just take like two seconds, click the link, help us out. Be super, super helpful. Uh, the other link will take you to our Patreon and this is the Patreon for the entire optimism vaccine network. Uh, for just a few dollars a month, if you got it to spare, you can get access to an entire back catalog of all kinds of different podcasts and, and written content and exclusive things that you will only find on Patreon and nowhere else. Very exciting. So make sure you check that out as well. Um, other than that, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, you can send that to optimismvaccine at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine. And uh, yeah, I don't know, Adam Myro standing by waiting to answer all of your emails. We're always happy to take recommendations too. If you got something particularly terrible that we haven't seen, yeah, we'll probably watch it. Why not? We torture ourselves with bullshit anyways, so... Other than that, I, I think that pretty much wraps things up. Mr. Coleman, thank you for casting the deciding vote once again, uh, even though you made the wrong choice this week. I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye.